0: first thing was for me was to be honest, stop being delusional, like figure out what your problems are. Then like forgive yourself, right? You didn't know, but you do know. But the third thing is the most important thing, I think. And that is like, realize that until God, life, whatever tells you otherwise, your best days are ahead of you. Just accept it. Just accept that your best days are ahead. of you.
1: Have you ever found yourself in a place where you felt trapped, unhappy and far from your best self? In a world filled with challenges and obstacles, it's easy to lose sight of our own potential. And we oftentimes limit ourselves. We believe that we're not capable of achieving greatness or that our best days are behind us now. But what if we could break free from these self-imposed limitations and embrace a mindset of compassion and intentional optimism? Welcome back, athletes. I'm your host, Sherry Shaban. And with each episode, I am honored to be your coach and guide in the journey to fall in love with fitness and ultimately yourself. My intention in each episode is to help you release the old story of who you are and step into the one you are always meant to be. Through these conversations together, we'll walk away from focusing on the doing and step into the being so that health and fitness is not just what you do, but who you are. In today's episode, David Richmond shares his journey from being a smoker and overweight to becoming an Ironman athlete. He talks about the importance of self-compassion and forgiveness in the process of personal transformation. David also emphasizes the power of being intentionally optimistic and believing that our best days are still ahead of us. He discusses the therapeutic benefits of endurance sports and how they can help in healing and personal growth. I've loved this conversation with David. It is such a powerful one, and I am so excited for you to listen in. Now, before we dive in, I just wanna share super quick with you that Transformation in Paradise Metamorphosis, Greece is now officially open for registration. Now, spots are super limited. We're at a gorgeous five-star resort with a beautiful 360-degree panoramic view of the ocean in Lefkada, Greece. So if you wanna grab your spot, go ahead and head on to sherryshabon.com forward slash retreats before all the spots fill up. All right, athletes, I'm super excited to get into this conversation. So without further ado, now let's meet David. Hi, David. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm very excited to talk to you, Sherry.
1: So excited to talk to you. I'm have to, I'm secretly stalking you a little bit. I am from afar. Because you are an Ironman athlete, and I have this thing where I love to follow people who are further ahead in life than me, who are doing spectacular, epic things, Mm -hmm. and this is like my trajectory for life. And so, thank you for being that person. Because you don't know this, but you're on my wise counsel. I've just put placed you there, and now I'm just telling you about it. I love it. it. Yeah, I
0: love it. Well, you know, and then it's perfect timing too because I'm embarking on a
1: project
0: where I am going to be tracking myself over the next 12 months to see how does a guy as old as me, who has done like a ton, a ton, a ton of endurance athletics, but I've done it mostly through Will, I some athletic ability, but Will, but I'm going to get super hard about like training as an athlete. And so I'm going to document that over the next year. Like, can you become an athlete, no matter what that means to you at whatever age? So yeah. that's going to be fun.
1: That's a little bit funny, I have to say, because in my eyes, you are an athlete. I mean, you've done already how many Ironmen and and you went from being trauma and stressed out to overweight, overweight smoker for over 20 years to suddenly becoming an Ironman athlete. I think you've done over 20 Ironman. So it's so close to 20. How many?
0: Close to 20. I've done 18
1: 18, 18. ironmen. Oh, oh, okay. Only 18, right? But how right. how do you not consider yourself an athlete at this point?
0: Well, it's not that I'm not an athlete. I've done athletic things. And the Ironmans are tough. I've done things that are way, way, way harder than Ironmans. I've done 50-mile runs, 100-mile runs. I did a 8,000k solo bike ride. Oh, wow. So I've done I've done some crazy crazy stuff, right? But I've done athletic things, but I don't think I'm an athlete. Like people that I've worked with that are trainers or physical therapists or whatever, they're like, did you like figure out how to get to the finish line through will and not through ability? Hmm. And why don't we change that? Because you, if you set a finish line, you'll figure out a way to get there no matter what. Why don't we get you prepared? Like, why don't you prepare like an athlete? And I'm like, all right, I, that sounds intriguing. I'd like to see about that because. Most people don't want to do this kind of stupid stuff, but if they do, then it's like, it's easy to quit, right? Or it's easy to to like say, you know, I never could do it and I got to prepare for like 10 years and then like it's in the way and you never do it. Right. There's a lot of reasons why we don't do it. I've just said like, set the goal, get it done. But a lot of times I might've even gone into some of the events that I've done like untrained.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay.
0: Just to see if I could do it. like. Like, like Sherry, the one time I called myself an athlete, the one time is I said, "Wouldn't it be cool if you could wake up one day?" And I won't bore you with the whole backstory, but wouldn't it be cool one day if you could just wake up and run fifty miles without training just because you wanted to do it that day? So, what fifty miles is like what eighty k or something, right? So, how could I could I wake up one day and go, "Yeah, I'm gonna put on shoes and go run eighty k today," and and if I could do that, I think that that would be an athlete so i did i actually did that one time wow i woke up and i just said hey i hadn't trained and it was middle of summer it was hot and there was a race that that i knew about that was up in the mountains and i called up the race director the day before and i said hey if i showed up tomorrow to the race would you let me do it and he's like yeah okay fine because i was way past the cutoff to sign up so i showed up on no training and ran 50 miles
1: Oh my God. Okay. So first you're speaking my language. Okay. And I want to come back to that because I'm going to 100% challenge you with this whole athlete thing, because again, you're wrong, David. Okay. But before we get into that, let's come back to your story because this is so profound. Mm. How do you go from being a smoker for so many years, overweight, a lot of things happening in your life, a lot of traumatic events, to suddenly becoming the athlete that you are today?
0: Yeah. Great question. I think about, I've thought about it a lot. I've talked about it a lot. I think part, part of it was that I never had a mentor, Sherry. I never had like somebody to guide me. Mm. You know, my, 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 my mom was ridiculously young. My dad was ridiculously old. There was almost a 40 year age difference between them. And, and so she, she couldn't have given me guidance because she was almost my age. Right. I mean, she had me when she was like 20 and my dad couldn't give me guidance because, you know, by the time I needed guidance, eight or 10 years old, he was like 70 or something, you know, and that's just like, whatever. So I kind of didn't figure stuff out until later in life. And I had a pretty tough childhood and a pretty tough young adulthood, a lot of trauma, a lot of very, very difficult circumstances. And I, you know, turned to not being very healthy. I wasn't ever like really, really unhealthy. I mean, I worked, I had to work hard. I worked hard. You know, I was a little bit of a overeater, maybe from stress or whatever. I was never athletics, so I never had the time for it. I was a smoker because sometimes cigarettes were cheaper than food and I couldn't afford both. So, you know, smoking allowed me not to eat and whatever. It's just bore you with a bunch of stories as to how I got to the point. But I found myself one day, Sherry, just kind of at the bottom of the pit. Mm. And it's like I was married to an abusive alcoholic. I had two young twins that you know, they were four years old, and they needed to get to safety. And I was getting to the end of my rope of being able to protect them and me, you know, without fighting back. And you know, I didn't want to fight back. And she was just getting more and more violent, and it was just, it was rough. I had a great career and some good friends, but I was I was so stressed out. I probably was ready to have a heart attack. I'm sorry. overweight, smoker, you know, really, really stressed out. And just a bunch of things happened at one time, like in a very short period of time, gave me the opportunity to wake up. Mm. And the, the things that happened was I realized I couldn't, I couldn't be in that environment anymore. I couldn't keep my kids in that environment. Mm. It was going to be physically dangerous for all of us. And so I said, I got to get out. At that same time, my sister got diagnosed with brain cancer. And that kind of was a wake-up call for me saying, Oh, shoot, you mean you actually gotta contemplate that you might not live forever and you gotta make some choices? And then at the same time, I had a friend who just caught me at the right time and said the right words. And you know, I was I wasn't really a victim because I was, you know, I was really overachieving in a lot of other areas and whatever, but Probably had kind of a little bit of a victim mentality. Like, why does this stuff keep happening to me? You know, why, why, why do, I, why am I always in the kind of trouble? And why do I have this kind of issue? And you know, how could I be married to somebody so mean? And blah, blah, blah. And he finally just said the right words to me, Sherry. And they were like, he goes, "Dude, I'm so freaking tired of hearing this for the last several years." Wow. He says, "You're the problem." He said, "You're the problem." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm not the problem." And I complained about the boss, and I complained about the ex-wife and a complaint about whatever and he goes yeah yeah, yeah." he says here's the problem he says in life everything is is a wild animal Mm -hmm. and you go find the wild animal and you go pick it up and you feed it you give it some water and you give it a nice home and then you go to pet it and it bites you and you wonder what the hell he goes wild animals don't know any better they bite why don't you find out why you continually attract rabid dogs and wild animals why don't you look in the mirror and see who you are and I'm like, whoa! whoa, you mean I could be the problem? Wow. And so, uh, so long answer to your question, Sherry, was literally there was a point in time that one night after that t- talk where I went home, my kids and I were safe. I was contemplating, you know, the recent news about my sister and I'm looking in the mirror going, you know, your buddy, Chris, he, he said, you're the problem. Okay. Well, what's your problem? And I had like a three hour conversation with myself like a real one, like the first real comp ever. Like that was the first day I think in my life that I kind of like became aware of stuff, you know, like, wow, maybe, maybe I am the problem. Maybe I'm making bad decisions. Maybe I'm, I'm chasing the wrong things. Maybe I can't fix problems. that can't be fixed and I shouldn't beat myself up over it. And, you know, like just, it started me on a path of becoming enlightened and, and being able to, be honest with myself. And if you're honest with yourself, you could do a lot of work, you know?
1: So good, so good. And I feel that that can only come from being in that rock bottom moment. There's there's no way we can get these profound downloads and, and insights and really even be prepared to make a massive change in our lives until we're in that bottom place. And I see this all the time. We almost have to get to that point of desperation where we're really, really so no longer tolerating our current circumstance in order for us to really, really make a very big change. And so... What was mm-hmm. that first step towards change? So, so clearly there was a massive rearrangement in your life. And then how did that bring you to Ironman and endurance sports in general?
0: I would answer this differently if I was in the moment. Okay. In the moment, I would have answered you, uh, I had to try something new. I was desperate. You know, I had, I had to figure out a way to stop smoking. And if you run, you can't smoke, you know, and I didn't know how to run, but I figured if I learned how to run, I, I could not smoke. And then I said, well, shoot, you know what? I got to be healthy because I got young kids. I don't want to die and you know, get cancer like my sister and leave my kids alone because they're going to end up with their mom. And in the moment, I would have said all of that. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely looking back, the, the key for me was something I really had to learn. And it might sound silly to some people that listen to this, but the number one thing was compassion. Like I had to just forgive myself and we carry around so many burdens and we're so mean to ourselves and the inside voice is you know i'm i'm not capable enough i'm not smart enough i'm not pretty enough i'm not popular enough i'm not this enough i didn't start work early enough i wasn't good enough in school you know i'm i'm just not as smart as if whatever whatever it is it's too late we just all have this negative talk in our heads And for me, the negative talk was for, since I was a kid, right? Very, very young kid, the negative talk. And so I just, again, the time I wouldn't have known, but reflecting back on it many, many times and really understanding the process of how I got from there to here, it was compassion. It was like, dude, you didn't know then what you know now, and you know it now. So you got two choices. You could either know it and pretend like, it doesn't exist or not care because you're just how many people do you know like sherry like like you go dude why are you so rude to people and they go oh it's just me i'm just i'm like well if you know you're rude like change. Right. right right why are you so sensitive pushes people away well i know i'm just that way if you know you're that way change right right right, right. so so we either like when, when you're honest you could either have compassion for yourself and go i forgive you for not knowing what which you didn't know then, because you know it now. So just just, just like let it go, free your mind. Because if you knew better, you would have done better, but you didn't know better. Right. And yeah, I heard a hundred times, stop smoking, you idiot. Stop smoking, stop smoking, stop. But until I heard it, mm. I didn't hear it. Right. And then you just have to say, okay, just move forward, forgive yourself. So I think it was compassion. And just to say, you know what? At 37 or eight years old, you never ran in your life. That doesn't mean you can't be a runner. Yes. So good. you know, at, at 38 years old, your whole adult life you were a smoker. That doesn't mean you can't be a non-smoker, right? You've never worried about your own health. It doesn't mean you can't now start to worry about your own health. Like, like now you know. So make today, you know, day one, what right. well, whatever that is. And I didn't count the days, but I'm just saying, like, you know, that thought process of day one. And once once I gave myself a little compassion, then that allowed me not to judge myself mm-hmm. because how often do we not do something? Because we're not this or we're not that or other people are better than whatever so i didn't judge myself again uh, this was a process it wasn't like all of a sudden every light bulb went off but but that's that's what started it and then i just i literally just figured it out like how do you run down the block okay now you did that how do you run a mile right okay you did that how do you run a 5k how do you run a 10k Mm. i I could never imagine running a 10k are you kidding me you know and i've run four marathons back to back to back to back like and this was a guy who didn't even know what it meant to run a 10k right and so you can learn just as long as you push yourself and i i thought to myself well if you've always limited who you are and you always limited the way you think why don't you just not have any limits and just see like if you want to go do something go go do it and if you fail you fail if you don't you don't but you're going to figure out what you're made of and i think probably i reacted to life and handled a lot of heavy stuff but i don't think i ever proactively said what are you capable of right you know oh,
1: so good so good i love everything that you said and this is exactly and 100 percent agreement in terms of the the steps that need to take place in order for you to really really transform and the first is self-compassion just acceptance mm-hmm. self-compassion i am where i am no no self-judgment And then, of course, the other really important thing that you said is how you started running one block at a time until it became a mile and then 5K Mm -hmm. and then 10K and then marathons that are back to back to back to back. And this is what we oftentimes don't look at. We're always looking at comparing ourselves where we're to where we wish we were, what we should be doing, what we've always envisioned ourselves or maybe even to other people instead of comparing ourselves to where we started from and forgiving ourselves as well for all of the past and experiences where we should or felt we should have done more
0: yeah let me tell you a super quick story so i quit smoking in the beginning of february of the year i quit smoking okay that was in february in march i ran the 5k In the end of march i did my first mini triathlon in april i did an olympic distance triathlon okay and July of that year, I signed up for a half Ironman. Hmm. Okay, now a half Ironman is American talk. It's it's uh, fifty six miles biking, after a one point two mile swim, and then before a half marathon, thirteen mile run. And I had never done any of those distances okay. alone. And I'm gonna go do them for the first time. And this is only like four or five months after quitting smoking. I'm still overweight. I I don't even understand. Anything about athletics, nothing about it. And I drive up and I go to this thing and I'm super self-conscious, but I go, okay, well, you got this, you got this, whatever. And there's a wave start. So they start different age groups at different times. It's a river start, it's it's in a river that swims in a river. And so I go to the river bank and I and I go to watch the, the first few waves take off. And Literally, Sherry, every single person is like a Greek god or goddess. They're like 100% (laughs) muscle, no fat. They're all walking on water. They all are tone and athletic. And I go, what the F are you even doing here, dude? You're not an athlete. This is not you. You do not belong here. What exactly what you were saying, comparing yourself to who you should have been or maybe even other people. And I looked out and I'm like, dude, you got to go home. Like, this is not you. Like, don't be stupid. (laughs) So I almost started to leave and the gun goes off and these people start swimming. And all of a sudden, one of these Greek god guys flops over on his back and he kind of does a backwards, awkward doggy paddle. And another one of these Greek gods like like runs to the side of the bank, swimming bank, because he wants to walk in waist deep water and not swim because he doesn't know how to swim. And another guy is swimming in circles. And I started laughing and I'm like, "I I can swim better than that. Like If they don't care that anybody's watching, what do I care? Nobody's going to notice me. And of course, nobody notices you because they're all living their own lives. They're all doing their own thing. They're just being the best they could be. How do I know that one of those guys didn't? Biggest fear in life was was water. And now he's trying to swim in a half fireman. How amazing is that? And I'm judging him, uh, comparing. So I stopped at that point. I just started laughing. (laughs) Dude, nobody's watching you. What do you care? Just go do what you do.
1: Right. Yeah. And and we live our lives this way, David, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We live our lives thinking like, oh my God, what are people going to say? If I try this What's yeah. someone going to think about it and maybe someone already sees us. and we're super self-conscious about ourselves and our bodies because we're always focused on that one part of us that we don't like thinking that that's what everyone else is looking at, but thanks to that reminder that everyone's living their own lives. Like nobody cares and nobody sees what you're seeing and nobody sees your limitations, no. everyone else is in their own yeah. heads thinking about their own yeah. limitations.
0: Yeah. How many times have you discounted? And anybody listening, I'm gonna call it bullshit if you if you say doesn't happen. How many times do you discount somebody that gives you a compliment? The boss said, Man, you did a really good job. And you go, oh, you know, I kind of have to. What? Or your coworker goes, dude, like you killed that meeting. And you're like, oh, are you sure? Because I felt like an idiot. And I do like we all just judge ourselves. And meanwhile, no. Right. Like, no. The way that you see yourself is is usually not the way that you are. It's, it's all this negative self-talk and it's really, it's really shocking. One of the things that I do is I do expressive writing workshops, mostly for cancer organizations. And I kind of help people reframe through expressive writing, that negative inner voice and get out their emotion and kind of understand how we can reframe the, the the negative self-talk inside. And man, it's a, it's a power, it's a powerful thing. How mean we are to ourselves we'd never be this mean to other people never absolutely you know yeah. so so yeah. it's it's a process though you, you got to really learn that
1: yeah and then just become aware of it and then my thing is and how i teach my students to really address that voice in in our head well first of all there's this voice in our head and we're listening okay so if i'm listening because right now i'm talking to you david you're hearing me talk so i'm the one who's talking and you're mm-hmm. the one who's listening so there's this voice in my head that's constantly going because that's what the mind does the mind just generates thoughts and I'm receiving those thoughts and I'm listening to those thoughts but what would happen if first of all I separated myself from those thoughts and then Mm -hmm. I thought to myself well what if the voice in my head is all lies that's all the lies and everything everyone else is telling me is the truth that I am a badass and I am really great at what I just did and I just did a really amazing job and I looked really good today and all these compliments that I'm receiving is really what's going on and that voice in my head those are the lies
0: yeah. And we can reframe it. And especially through writing, expressive writing, if you now read the way that your voice is, sometimes it can be really transformative. And right. so, yeah. so I, so I love it. But again, it's a process, but you gotta, you gotta just start somewhere. let start somewhere because let's be honest, right? I don't know that many people that get to live more than one life by th- So I think we get to live one life, right? Pretty much. And so if you're going to live one life, like why not today? Like why not, why not today? There's a real uh, famous Robin, Robin Roberts. Mm. She, she was a, she was a news anchor, a TV host and whatever. She came out with a book and, and it's like, I think the book was like day one.
1: Mm. Like she
0: kind of, she kind of go, goes into each day thinking today is day one. Right. Not one day. I'm going to do something. Today is day one that I'm going to do.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I, I love that idea. Not one day, but day one, like just make today the day. So, like are you going to need to lose weight. Great. Guess what don't open up the box of oreos just just don't just there you go don't
1: right yeah
0: don't so, one day not open it just make today the day you don't open it
1: right yeah we don't know about tomorrow and we don't know that we get another tomorrow and as you're sharing this and just as you were talking about writing down your thoughts so this is the subconscious mm-hmm. mind actually not aware of most of the thoughts that are going on in our mind or even how our perspective of the world is actually generated in our mind and so as you're saying this and and i'm thinking Okay. So you went from super traumatic relationship and a series of traumatic events into your life to deep diving into endurance sports. And -hmm. what I'm curious about is if this was a healing process for you, or if this was a level of avoidance, what have you done to address that trauma so far?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. It's, It's definitely a healing thing. Wow. How can I frame this? I don't know about other people but I I find that some people that are kind of a personality they're used to being busy Mm -hmm. and they like being busy and sometimes being busy can be a way to avoid dealing with things right how many times have you seen in the movies and then you kind of see it in real life somebody who's so successful at work that they kind of forsake their family and and all of a sudden they wake up one day and their kids are older and don't even know who they are right and you go and they go wow i was working so hard i was trying to provide and and that's how relationships end up breaking apart because you don't deal with the relationship because you're so busy dealing with life and so what i learned again no light bulbs went off but i learned this over time was that endurance athletics for me was an amazing therapeutic place yes because i could slow my mind down Forcibly, I had to slow my mind down because if you're gonna go f- for a two-hour bike ride or an eight-hour run or a twenty-hour bike ride, dude, your brain just goes silent and you can't multitask when you're running fifty miles. You gotta be focused on the running, right? But in life, we're bouncing around from work to personal. I gotta call this friend. I gotta do this thing. I got this community thing. I gotta get dressed for this thing. I got right. And we just go from one thing to another. Endurance athletics lets you focus on the one thing which frees your mind. And I have solved a lot of problems or at least attempted to solve a lot of problems or come to grips with things. And I've made some insane revelations about myself and about life that might not make any sense to other people, but they make sense to me while in in the midst of doing crazy endurance stuff. And I've written a couple of books about those lessons learned because they they resonate, you mm-hmm. know, like like like, you know, and they're parallels. They're parallels to life. You know, like like when to lean on to others and when to know not to and how to set high enough goals and how to forgive yourself for failure. And all of these crazy things that are parallels to life, I discovered those out on the road. Right.
1: Yeah. So good. So good. And I love that you say that because, you know, We tend to think that when we want to exercise or when we want to change our self-care rituals, it's really around changing the physical body. And maybe that's what it is initially. Maybe it's around, okay, I don't feel really comfortable in my body or I feel unhealthy or I really want to make a change. And so that's the reason why we maybe initiate that whole thing anyway. But at one point, it just becomes this, this flow of who you are. And I use running also to clear my mind. I don't run because I'm concerned about how many calories I need to get in today or how many steps I need to get in. Mm -hmm. What I do know is that if I don't run, my mind is cloudy. And when I connect with nature, when I'm outside, when I'm smelling that fresh air, when I'm just honoring my body and I'm feeling my body move in that way, I just feel so connected and to the point where Mm -hmm. i don't even listen to music like i'm really just i'm listening to nature i'm just listening to my breath i'm just so in tune and then now the reason why i run is very very different it's not to improve my cardio i don't have any big races coming up anytime soon David, as yours but it's so important to just mention this because our why continues to change and when we first decide to start something there's a reason but then after Mm -hmm. a while it's a brand new reason that's even more powerful and so mm-hmm. we get to see our why expand and grow and evolve as we also continue to evolve in life. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I shared with you already this morning, I went for a run and you were about to tell me a couple of tips. I'll actually oh, want to grab some tips with you. So I yeah, went a run hydration. this morning.
0: We'll talk about yeah. That. yeah.
1: I only did the hour this morning. Right. And then I came back and I've been having a hard time rehydrating actually. And then you were about to give me some life hacks on on how to add some more electrolytes. And even though we're going off on a tangent, I think it's the right time.
0: Okay, well, it's the right time for the tangent, but see there, you go. you just said it. You said, oh, I only ran for an hour. Could you imagine some people can't even imagine going running for an hour? Like, holy cow, some people might not be able to, mm-hmm. and some people who could be able to just don't even understand that concept. So you even, you even minimize the hour run. An hour running is serious business. Like that's, for you, it's like, whatever it's just an hour it's just 10k you know like wow like don't discount that because going for an hour run is a serious it's a serious run anyway so i'm going to give you a hack that i learned and it took me years to learn how to do this okay and finally somebody told me how to do it and i did it so you have to determine what your sweat rate is okay now uh i asked you before we came on like do you run kind of in the same conditions and the same effort and the same time because if you don't you need to maybe measure your sweat rate in different circumstances i live in las vegas i spend a lot of time in the heat and so if i'm running four hours in in cool weather i'm gonna sweat at a different rate than if i'm running four hours in hot weather mm-hmm. okay but either way i should know my sweat rate because so here's how you do it So take your clothes off, get naked, weigh yourself before you go for a run. Okay. Run for an hour. Uh, Don't uh, drink anything and don't pee. Okay. I don't go run naked unless that's really what you want to do. So put your clothes back on. Then go, go for, I know, right? Go, go run for your hour. Wait a few minutes, right? Because you'll sweat after you're done. Wait for a few minutes, get naked, dry yourself off, especially your hair, whatever. Dry yourself off and weigh yourself. Hmm. Okay you will be shocked at how much you lose. Shocked. Right. Now, not everybody, because not everybody has a high sweat rate. You want to hear, I wish I knew kilos, but but I think I kind of know kilos. But if it's warm out, not even if it's super hot, if it's warm out, I can lose two kilos an hour. Wow. Running. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Imagine that. Imagine how much I got to drink. If I'm going to go for a five-hour run in the heat, that's 10-plus kilos of, of liquids I'm losing. No. What? Right. That's impossible. Right. So if you don't understand what your sweat rate is, you're not going to take in enough liquid. Then if you do know, and you might not know, but there are ways to test your sweat rate, the electrolytes that you lose in sweating. I know that I'm a very salty sweater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, in life, I could talk in front of a thousand people and I'm dry and dry as could be. Go, go for a half hour run. I'm sweating. So, and it's in a salty sweat. So, uh, I take some electrolytes that are 1,200 milligrams of sodium Mm -hmm. an hour. I mean, in a pack, and I take sometimes three of those in an hour. Wow, 3,600 milligrams of sodium in an hour—that's huge. Plus, it has like 600 potassium. I mean, there, there are products out there that have a wide range. I've taken products that are as low as 100 milligrams serving, and ones that are as high as 1,200 milligrams of servings. Mm-hmm. Imagine the difference in my body. So, it took me years to understand what my sweat rate was, and it took me years to understand how to hydrate properly. So, if you want to go, because you're going to sweat hard, swimming, yes. biking, yes, and running, you don't know it, but the only way to know it is to is to measure yourself and weigh yourself. So. What eventually happens is how much water can you take in? So, if you're doing a marathon in hot weather, four hours, say, and you're going to lose, you know, 12 to 16 pounds, right? So, what's that six to eight kilos? You got to figure out a way to replace that, especially if you're losing electrolytes. How are you going to replace all that? Right. So, anyway, there's my hack.
1: Yeah.
0: It's kind of confusing, but it's not that confusing
1: yeah no that's powerful and and then the other thing too that happens when you know you're seeing that weight loss on the scale you know pre and then post training there's a a big component of that is glycogen too right so you're also using up some of that stored muscle glycogen while you're doing the work which you are yeah
0: yes yes you are but that's that's more it's gonna be fuel for you really that that what i needed to do to not bonk on races or to not get severely dehydrated because I've done some races in exceptionally warm weather Mm. that were very long, you know, like 80 K, 120, 140 K races in the middle of the summer in the middle of the desert, right? Where I was losing, you know, two and a half kilos an hour and I could only take in two kilos an hour. So I'm losing a pound an hour. Uh, and, 12 hour race I'm 12 pounds lighter I'm that's dangerous that's
1: dangerous right yeah
0: yeah Uh, and then also an hour run where you're totally dehydrated will affect your brain power and your performance to do other things when you don't if you can hydrate properly it's super important
1: yeah yeah, I agree, and this is a reminder. It's super. It's it's super important because I find sometimes I neglect these very very minimal things, and and there's no there's no good reason to do it, right? Except that it just gives right. you a headache later, and then you have a hard time rehydrating. Right. So, you know something that you said earlier. I just wanted to just come back to so when I was saying, you know, oh, I only went for an hour run, there's there's two different kinds of energies in which we can say that and so there's a way where it's like I only did an hour because I'm such a loser and I can't believe it. And I'm so upset. <laughs> I've should have done more. Right. There's that. And then there's the only because yeah I am actually able to run more or my normal could be more and you know I've done an ironman mm-hmm. and so I know what more running feels like and so it was it was only an hour and it's not coming back to what you had said about compassion it's not an uncompassionate thing it's more like I just know where I stand and what I'm able yeah. to do and so for today it felt like just a shorter run for for me right right right, right.
0: yeah yeah and that's true and and I love that because you know, when you, if you're at the level where you can go for an hour running, it's only an hour. That's, that's freaking awesome. I mean, that's like, you're fit, you're fit. And that's a cool, that's a cool thing. But yeah, like you and I both know when you, when you go to do a long race, like an hour is only an hour, man, you got to run a lot longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right?
0: You got to train a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if there was any last words that you wanted to share, and as we wind down our episode today i also want to tell you that i have so enjoyed every moment of this conversation and again i'm going to share with you that there is just so much inspiration and so much beautiful shares that you've offered us today, so much value today from what you've shared and just a reminder around having that courage and that mindset to really just get into anything that you wanna get into knowing that it's never enough and it's never too late and that there's always more and everything is possible. I'm curious if you have anything else that you wanted to share and just add on before we conclude our call today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I constantly think about because I apply to work and I apply to friendships and my kids and you know, my kids are grown now, but but my kids and and work and a lot of people that, that I that I help. And it's like something that I wish somebody would have taught me early on how to lean into. And that is being intentionally optimistic. And you and I are very fortunate, right? We're not dealing with any kind of like terminal disease. We didn't have an accident when we were a kid that. You know, we lost a limb, you know, I mean, there's, there's some people that deal with some really, really heavy stuff and they can be intensely optimistic too, because, you know, I mean, gosh, people can overcome almost you know so much and and it's unbelievable and that those are inspiring, but just normal everyday people like you and me that happen to be living our lives and being very fortunate that we're healthy and, and a thinker and kind of self reliant or whatever is to be op you know, intentionally optimistic. And that's like, I wish I would have started that earlier because when I, when I said like early on, I had that conversation with myself. Like first thing was for me was to be honest, right? Stop being delusional, like figure out what your problems are and figure out your good things too. Like lean on those and, and kind of walk away from them Then like forgive yourself, right? You didn't know, but you do know. But the third thing is the most important thing, I think. And that is like, realize that until God, life, whatever tells you otherwise your best days are ahead of you
1: oh, so good
0: like just just accept it just accept that your best days are ahead of you. now some people i know them you know them they go oh you know when i was younger this and oh i could have done this when i was that and oh you know what i could never do this because it's too late i i'm calling bs on all of it Man. right until you're forced until you're forced to accept it don't limit yourself your best days are ahead of you be intensely optimistic and here i am i just turned 60 this hour 60 right i'm getting ready to do my 19th iron man later later the next year i'm gonna do it as a as an athlete right i still like i had like four or five hobbies that if i would have started them when i was in my teens i'd be a world beater i'm starting them now like who cares best days are ahead of me until somebody tells me not and so i would say that we are masters limiting ourselves and and masters that putting ourselves in a in a in a box and wrapping it up and storing it away right we're just we're just good at that and i just really live intentionally optimistic and hardcore optimistic for the last 20-25 years because i didn't start that early enough Mm -hmm. you know and if i can still feel that now why doesn't everybody why 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 aren't you trying to be your best self like starting right now
1: so good so good David. i
0: hate to preach i don't mean a preachy or or whatever but i'm just saying like like such a cool liberating invigorating thought if you just believe your best days are ahead of you then they will be yeah
1: and I couldn't agree more. And this is this is so powerful. And what a beautiful way that we end our show today, because how many of us are limiting ourselves really from our own voice and our mind? Nobody else has told us we couldn't, and we're surrounding ourselves by people who possibly are showing us that we do have limitations. And so coming back to what I was sharing earlier when we first started recording was. I follow people on Instagram who are further ahead in life than me, because that is my trajectory instead of feeling like, you know, I've lost certain aspects of my life or time or opportunities. There's always opportunities. There's always a way for you to improve. And what I remember, even when I first started my career, I remember I was doing personal training. I was going around people's homes. and I was doing in-person training. I was in my early 20s. And I remember my clients saying to me like, oh, just wait and see Sherry when you have kids. Everything is gonna change. You make it look so easy. Just wait and see when you get older. And now I am 43 and I have had Thanks. kids. And that's just for me, more credibility. And I actually feel more fit than ever. Why? because I've been training more. So the last 23 years, I've had extra training. That's I've had 23 more years of training than I did in my early 20s, right? And every year you train, you get fitter. And so yeah. it accumulates and, over time. And people are gonna
0: limit training. you going on too. You yeah. just don't know, oh, wait till you get older and you get tired. And, uh, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I still go to clubs and I, I live in Vegas. So, you know, there's always a lot to do here, going to see concerts and whatever else. And, you know, people will be like, oh, Are you kidding me? It's a work night. It's a school night. I'm I'm in bed by eight o'clock, and I'm like, try to even start cooking dinner until nine. Right. Right. Like, like live, live a little. Like, who's gonna limit you? Nobody's gonna limit you. Just, just, just go do it. Right.
1: So good. So good, David. Thank you so much for this conversation. I've loved it. Enjoyed every moment. You're so incredibly inspiring. Yeah,
0: for sure. I'm I'm glad we got a chance to talk. If if uh, there's a reason for us to talk again, let's do it for sure.
1: There will be. I have a feeling yeah. about that. So if somebody wanted to learn more about you, where could they go to connect with you? And I think you also have a couple of really powerful books. You have a book that just came out also recently. Where mm-hmm. could they grab that?
0: Books are all, only place they're ever bought is on Amazon. So books are available on Amazon. Just look me up, David Rich. I have a, two books that are on Amazon right now. One's winning in the middle of the pack. It's this idea that when you're in the middle of a pack, nobody's watching, nobody cares, but you can you can win, right? Mm-hmm. Just pretty cool thing. I give like life lessons compared to sports lessons and business lessons and like how how's running a big company like running a hundred miles, you mm-hmm. know, which there's a lot of parallels. And then I did my most recent book for for public consumption was on uh I interviewed 15 people about their emotional journeys with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I, I followed them for a couple of years, not with the cancer journey, but the emotional journey. And and uh, and then I I wrote a book about about their emotional journeys with cancer. Fifteen totally different people, mm. and some were doctors, some were patients, loved ones, caregivers. And then to to connect the stories, that's when I biked. I zigzagged across the country to connect wow. the stories. So, cycle of lives, or winning in the middle pack, or look me up, David Richmond. I have a website, or just jump, jump on Amazon. The books are Audibles or in in real form, and I I think they're pretty good.
1: Awesome. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm going to check them out too. Thank you so much, David. Enjoy this.
0: You're welcome, Sherry. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of fall in love with fitness, whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started. We're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode and remember, you are an inspiration.